Welcome to Making Sense of MarTech, in a regular set of conversations with some of the most interesting people in marketing, technology, and at advertising. I'm Juan Mendoza. I write the MarTech Weekly Newsletter. It's a weekly email that covers important shifts in the marketing technology industry. People who work in the world's largest media, tech, and marketing companies read it. You can read, listen, and subscribe at themartechweekly.com. Okay, today I am joined by Michael Adams and Melissa McCready. Michael is the general manager and Melissa is the content chair at Opstars, an online community, media and events company servicing the revenue and marketing operations space. Previous to Opstars, Michael has worked across a number of roles in communications, thought leadership and media for software companies like Cisco. And Melissa is the principal at the Growth Ops community and works in growth operations as an advisor and a consultant. Today, we are talking about B2B media empires and the growing trend of software companies building media brands to service their specific market vertical. Now, Opstars was launched by Lean Data, a revenue orchestration platform company. Um, so we'll be talking about that journey of building really valuable media properties in niches across the marketing technology ecosystem. And so now I give you Michael and Melissa. Michael, how are you doing? Fine, thank you, Juan. Thank you very much for having us. And Melissa, how was your uh, afternoon? It's been busy with Opstars, but I'm glad to be uh, having this chat. Excited to, to get into it. I'm excited too. Uh, so let's dive right in. I want to know your stories. So uh, how did you find yourself working at Opstars? Perhaps, Melissa, did you want to kick us off? Sure. So interestingly enough, Opstars came to me by lucky chance because I attended the first Opstars ever, which was just a lean data kind of customer circle. So I had been a lean data customer. And then I also turned into an implementation consultant for uh, doing lean data projects along with the revenue and growth operations advisory. And so it just fell into my lap in a sense. And it was a really fun fit to be able to go out and talk to other like-minded people and say, hey, let's put this amazing event together. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a very interesting journey. And commenting on what Melissa just said, I, I don't believe there's anything as, as luck or chance. It was meant to be that Melissa is the content chair for this year's Opstars uh, with my background in thought leadership and content creation, as uh, I settled into Lean Data and uh, started building the team, I thought that, oh, I can handle this, right? I can find people to speak. I've worked with many thought leaders throughout my career, but I completely underestimated the task. And as the event kept getting closer and closer, people who I knew at Lean Data kept asking and hinting, hey, Michael, you know, how's the agenda coming along? What sessions do we have? Who do we have lined up as speakers? I said, I kept saying, I've got it handled. I have it handled. It finally hit me that I needed some help. One of the main reasons was my career has been over the past 30 years in technology. So I understand the space that we're in, but I don't have operations experience. And I recognize that for this event to be successful and for it to continue the legacy that it that it has become known for, that I really needed somebody who came from this space. So I asked around Lean Data for names of people who 
they thought would be best for this role. And Melissa's name came up. She was the content chair, as she mentioned, for 2019. And the people I spoke with felt that she did a great job. So I reached out to Melissa on LinkedIn with my fingers crossed, recognizing that I had put myself in a little bit of a bind that if she wasn't available, I may not be able to find such a great person as Melissa to do this. I might have to do more of it myself. And uh, I had become a little bit worried that I had waited too long, but fortunately, Melissa responded right away. We connected on the phone and just within a couple of minutes, I knew she was the right person. She is steeped in the industry. She lives and breathes operations. That was clear from our conversation. Uh, she also knows a lot of people and with her outgoing personality, I knew that she would be uh, the best person for this role. So uh, it's, uh, it, it, was, it worked out well, but I don't see it as luck. I see it as uh, she was available to take advantage of the opportunity and meet the need that I had. I think one of the one of the best qualities that I was looking for, one of the most important qualities, is uh, genuineness. And I think, as you heard from Melissa's answer, and as you get to know her through this podcast, she's very genuine and authentic. And it's important for op stars that the content, you, the agenda, the speakers and sessions be targeted to what operations professionals need to know, how it can help them improve their careers, how it can improve how they work and create an event where they feel comfortable connecting with each other. And it was just clear to me that Melissa was the right person to do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Wow, thanks. <laughs> what an endorsement, Melissa, that's wonderful. I know, oh my God, how do I live up to that? <laughs> you, thanks, you already have, you already have. So, so let's talk about Opstars. Now, it's an online community. Uh, it does events. Uh, so we've got the September event coming up. And then we've also, uh, they also do media as well. You run a podcast. Uh, you do a lot of great resources for the industry. But it's a company that's owned by Lean Data, a revenue operations orchestration platform company. Now, perhaps, Michael, can you help unpack what that relationship looks like? Because in the industry right now, that's a bit of a novel concept. Why would a software company also build and launch a media operation as well that's separate, distinct, but connected? How was that journey and what does that look like in terms of the strategy? Yeah, thanks, Juan. Good question. It actually gets to the heart, I think, of what we're focused on in this podcast. It's interesting. So I left a, an AI startup. And a few months after doing that, I began interviewing with Doug Bell, who is the chief marketing officer at Lean Data, uh, Rachel McBrarity, who is the chief uh, customer officer at Lean Data, introduced me to Doug. Rachel and I had worked together at Cisco for several years. And uh, Rachel is also the host of the Opstars podcast. And during that interview process, our first meeting was scheduled for 30 minutes. It went 45. So our second meeting was scheduled for 45. It went 60. I think you can see where this is going. Our third meeting uh, was scheduled for 60, and we kept it at 60. But during those interviews, it was not an interview for an open position. It was more exploring where lean data was what Doug's initial thinking was with the OpStars assets that existed within Lean Data, 
They were not part of a, a, a single organization. The podcast hosted by Rachel was in the customer success organization. The events was in marketing and the community was also in customer success. So they were, they were different places and never under the same umbrella. But during this interview process, this idea emerged of, hey, let's combine the Opstar's assets, put them under a separate brand, a separate organization, and essentially spin it off from Lean Data. I, I see Opstar's as being a sister organization or related to Lean Data, but we have a separate brand. I have a separate team. I have a separate budget. And importantly, I have a, a P&L responsibility for the organization. So my job beyond the event was to look at these individual pieces, see how we could bring them together under one organization, how we could create, first of all, how we could look at where each was, strengthen it to get it to a point where it could stand on its own, but most important, bring them together and create synergies between them. But also because the Opstar's annual conference and awards is the crown jewel for lean data and also for Opstar's, my main focus for the year was on, on creating this event. So we actually are, are early in this process of having a separate but related organization that has autonomy. And that autonomy is really important for it to look different and feel different and act differently from the parent company. Community op operations professionals, I think, have a sixth sense. They're smart, right? They know when a community is not really a community, when it's a smokescreen for a company user group or just an extension of what a company wants to accomplish. So this was a big step for Lean Data. And to their credit, they followed through. And we are in the process of creating this organization, figuring out how this relationship works. And one of the things Doug focused on during my interview process, he hit on over and over again, he was really getting to, would I bite the hand that, that fed me or that feeds me? And I am, or I'm pretty much a diplomatic person. So I don't know if I was strong enough during the interview process, but it turns out that I got the job and we're actually testing that as we get closer to the event. There are a number of examples where that relationship has been tested and those boundaries have had to be, you know, those fences have been had to be put up. And so far, so good. The answer to that question is, yes, I will bite the hand when it protects Opstars because ultimately having Opstars is a separate organization for uh, anybody within operations related to the revenue function or bringing revenue within a company uh, is welcome. And it cannot be seen as a, an extension of lean data or a lean data user group. So we are well on our way to establishing that, but we're also early in the process. And I expect uh, a, a lot of learnings to happen as we go forward. That's a really interesting canvas over that relationship with Ling Data. And as you say, I've bitten the hand that feeds me and I'm still here. <laughs> you know? um, but, you've, but you've got that relationship with the parent company in which you have a shared vision. Yes. And the shared vision, it seems to me, is that to enable revenue operations across an industry. And it's just two different ways of doing that. And so I think that a lot of these companies, and I'm going to talk about a few of them as um, separate examples, 
they uh, they tend to think about this about the problem in the industry from a first principles perspective. So you know, one company's a software business and they're solving a problem in an industry in one way, and then they have a separate media company that's solving it in a different way. A lot of SaaS companies also have education businesses as well, but they're solving a different the same problem or they're trying to achieve the same things just through different perspectives and different pathways using different companies. And so I think it's actually quite innovative. But zooming out a little bit into the broader industry, I am seeing this industry shift where companies are either acquiring or building their media brands. As you say, not a vehicle to promote products, not a smokescreen or a user group just for that specific software company, but as a way to build community, to educate the industry, to actually raise awareness more holistically. A few examples recently is A16Z. So they're a a VC fund. Last year, they launched future.com. I don't know how much that domain name cost. I can imagine it was very, very expensive. But A16Z, they're a, so they're a fund and they want to educate their their community and their industry about emerging technologies. And so they have a completely separate company and that's a media focused business. Now you've got HubSpot, very different example. Now everyone knows who HubSpot is. If you're listening to this, you probably know what HubSpot is, but they acquired the Hustle newsletter for more than $20 million. It's a newsletter that goes out fairly frequently and it's talking about trends, innovation, technology, but HubSpot acquired it. Why? Well, there's a lot of alignment in terms of audience and community. Another example is cdp.com. That's a new media company launched just December last year from Treasure Data. Treasure Data is a CDP uh, business and they want to educate the market about the CDP category and demystify it for marketers and for data professionals. So you look at all of these examples and you think to yourself, wow, okay, there must be something really in this in terms of building a media company that has its own objectives, its own leadership team, and its own profit and loss statements to really drive awareness um, that is aligned with that owner or that acquirer. Uh, But how do you see, uh, perhaps Melissa, do you want to touch on this? How do you see the role of these media companies, perhaps adjacent to that is the communities that are popping up all across the industry in the MarTech space? How do you see this? Well, unlike other functional business areas like our finance and our sales and HR, there are very few places to get a formal education or even doing continued education within operations. So OpStars is an example of operations, first of all, implies technology, but that's not just it, right? It's so much more. It's strategy, it's process, it's maneuvering, you know, people and personalities. So there's so much more to it. There really hasn't been a place to go, particularly in the RevOps space, right? And so we're seeing a lot of RevOps uh, communities spiking up. And we're seeing the same thing with marketing operations as well. But I think that there really is this strong need and this yearning for people to be a part of a community to learn, to share, to help and each, each other grow. But then also with the function for us more specifically is that operations, aside from the traditional COO, which really was focused on the back end office, where we're looking at a C-level seat for the ta- at the table for revenue operations, for marketing operations as a part of strategy. And we've not been able to get there. And so I think with OpStars, there's a couple of pieces of the community, the education, but also growing the industry and growing up the industry for us to be a part of that strategic discussion. 
I love what you said there, growing up the industry. And a lot of categories in MarTech are still very new and nascent. Um, and that sort of ties into what uh, Treasure Data are trying to do with CDP.com is that CDPs, even though they've been around for many years now, there's a, a element of they need to grow up the industry to make it to build a presence and also build the skills and the maturity of practitioners as well. And so there's, I like that perspective. But what, what are your thoughts, Michael? Yeah, when you mentioned the goals of these communities, and I, I, I believe the success to a community and ultimately how it can benefit the company that backs it is that the community must be focused on the community. Right? It, it, it sounds obvious, but it's actually counterintuitive. It's so easy for a community who's backed by a company, for instance, Lean Data, Upstars with Lean Data, to, for the community to become focused on meeting the goals of Lean Data. But that's why, there's a, that's why there is a, a fence between the two organizations. That's why I have autonomy. Uh, that's why I'll disagree with some suggestions or things. For example, Lean Data would like to do it at the Opstars event this year. Because ultimately, if we focus on the community itself and enabling the community to learn uh, and to grow, both in their profession and in their careers and create an environment where they feel at home, so to speak, where they feel comfortable connecting with each other and sharing and help. You know, operations professionals, as I'm learning quickly, are problem solvers. They also like to share information with others, regardless of the companies they work for. Of course, you know, competitive questions will arise, but they, they very much like to share what they know and help others. So creating a community through the event, through the podcast, by teaching them, by hearing from other operations professionals is really important. And ultimately, as Melissa said, if we focus on doing that, we're growing the profession, we're growing the, the space of operations uh, so that it can better serve the companies that they're working for. And by doing that, by creating a community of people who are educated, who are helping each other, who are solving problems, that community ultimately benefits the company who is helping it. It's, it's not said, but it, it's implied. But if Lean Data uh, does a good job as it has of creating solutions that solve real needs, there's an affinity that's created and they will, uh, a lot of community members, it's okay if they don't, but many will start to ask questions about lean data. And if they find the right answers and they find it works for them, it's great if that works. But uh, that's the key, right? Which is focusing on the long-term, growing the community so that ultimately it serves not just the parent company, but it serves all companies. And most important, it serves the community itself. Can I add in here too? One of the things I wanted to say is that I see this strategy of community-led growth, right? That ultimately it's a new way of branding, right? You want to be branded where there is a connection to your customers. You want to be branding where you're providing something that isn't just an immediate need, but it's a long-term need. And I think the beauty of communities is when you can create that stickiness and you can create that safe place for conversation, it is the most ultimate brand to have, right? And that is the emotion of it is 
guess what? If I need this, I was able to rely on this community and I know that it's funded by Lean Data or whatever other company that is is funding a community. It's a much different way to start a conversation to grow the actual business that's funding the community. It's a much different discussion. It's a very, very different discussion. I completely agree. But there is this old school, I would say now an old school uh, sort of mindset to say, well, hey, content marketing is designed to sell. It's designed to educate customers to lead, drive leads, to um, close those leads. And it's part of marketing. And that's for years and years and years. Most software companies have thought in that way. They build really big marketing, uh, content marketing uh, teams. They spend a lot of money in that space, but it all goes back to that software business. But this perspective is new and novel, but it, it, I think it, what it does is create a positive sum situation in the industry where you have software companies who have the resources to be able to back media companies and events businesses and communities to help them scale, help them uh, obviously build awareness. So they've got the resources to do that where the, the, the events or the media company on the other side is the, has the ability to create um, so much value in an industry where uh, everyone turns around and goes, oh, wow, like lean data is behind that. That's amazing. But it had nothing to do with lean data. So it's a fantastic way in terms of brand and propositioning. But I still think it's a, still fairly new. Like I think there's still a bit of growing up and thinking about how you actually do that for a software business. Not all software companies can actually do that, of course, um, but I think there's a massive opportunity to think like that and to really invest into um, into the communities that are building, uh, using the software and actually sort of um, advancing it as well. But uh, yeah. Michael, I want to throw to you and talk to you a little bit about um, that whole topic of content marketing. So, you know, these days, all I see is endless webinars, sales-focused blogs, you know, <laughs> and yeah. podcast after podcast after podcast, which are often just sponsored content for uh, tech companies. But you've been working in this space, in thought leadership, for so many years now, across the SaaS landscape, and, and a number of diverse different companies as well. How have you seen thought leadership change over time? And how do you think Opstairs approaches that differently? Yeah, it's a good question. It's actually refreshing to uh, be a general manager of a community. Uh, I, I've had the uh, good fortune to work uh, with several great thought leaders in the industry uh, throughout my career. Uh, I worked with Dave Evans, who for a time was the chief futurist at Cisco. We worked together uh, with a research team and actually wrote some of the original white papers that launched the internet of everything, not the internet of things, but the internet of everything within Cisco. Uh, it ultimately became the internet of things. Uh, and as any big innovation, such as the internet of things, right? It's not one group or one company that's involved. A lot of companies were headed towards the same uh, area previously, but uh, that type of thing is, is rare. So, the lowest common denominator, it's very easy to revert back to content marketing and call it thought leadership, right? True thought leaders uh, like Dave are rare. He actually took his job as a futurist very seriously. It was a career for him. He didn't just sit behind a desk and come up with ideas. He had a very vigorous methodology and a lot of research to come up with what he thought would happen in the future. 
So it's refreshing to work for a community rather than trying to force thought leadership or from a company's perspective, create marketing content and then put a stamp on it and call it thought leadership is all too common. Working with the community, one of my early goals and in some of my early conversations with Melissa was how, right, we can, the, the best situation is when somebody from the community can share information with another member from the community directly so that there's no filter involved so that they are getting the pure information of what works. And in my mind, that redefines what thought leadership is, right? So with, with the OpStars community, with what Melissa is building into the agenda with our speakers and the sessions that we're putting on, it's designed for people, operations professionals, people within the industry to communicate directly with others in that same industry or community. And to me, that's the best type of thought leadership. That's the most effective thought leadership. And it's really thought leadership in its purest form. Melissa, do you have anything to add to that? Because I think there's, there's a lot that we can think about in terms of what is thought leadership as a concept. Because it, I would say, Michael, to your point that, you know, there is a lot of rigor in that particular space. It's not just a bunch of people sitting around a, a <laughs> sitting around the campfire and spinning off ideas, you know, and or trying to predict the future, right? Looking into the crystal ball. It's actually rigorous. There's a lot of analysis and research that goes into that futurism aspect of thought, thought leadership. But how is thought leadership, Melissa, maybe you can help with this, is that in your work, what do you see as thought leadership? compared to say something that's more content marketing focused? Like what are the, what makes it distinct? I think as a professional ops person who's been in this for way too long, <laughs> that it really comes down to that hunger for knowledge. And the people who I think of as thought leaders that are in, we'll call it the RevOps growth ops space, they're hungry for the knowledge. They're hungry to do the cutting edge things. They want to push the envelope on how they're approaching problem solving. And so what you'll find with what I consider uh, the thought leadership and how that's different from content marketing is they're actually trying to raise up what they're doing to the next level. And they're at a level that there isn't anything ahead of them. And quite interestingly enough, personally, that's my situation. Uh, last uh, what we'll call stateside role that I was in where I was a full-time employee at a company, I was responsible for running RevOps, although I wasn't necessarily given the title, I was doing it. And in, in doing that, I hit a ceiling. What happened was, if you go out now and you say, show me a VP of RevOps role, there are very few of them. Show me a chief growth officer that isn't a CRO that is a chief revenue officer who is sales operations focused, you will not find very many of them. And my thought is somebody who has a little bit of time ahead of them still is I have this goal for the legacy that, that I leave behind as an individual in this space is to provide a pathway so that people can get there, right? My stamp will be that we've gotten that C-level seat at the table that we deserve that we haven't been able to get. So I think as a thought leader, um, 
what really stands apart there is that the intent behind it is a lot more probably a little personal than it is on the content side. Like we're doing it for something that's really driving us that has to do with some trigger situation we've been through. Anybody I talk to, it's like, how did you get in here? Everyone goes, well, it fell into my lap. <laughs> so having a distinct pathway, um, I think is so important. And as thought leaders, they'll get you there as a content driven thought leader, you're definitely putting the stepping stones down. But if your intention is to just create content and it isn't with a really well-defined purpose or like passion behind it, it comes off across a lot differently in my opinion. Mm. I I agree. I, <clears throat> I think there's, there's an element here of passing down knowledge to the next generation, which is a, a big component of thought leadership say, you know, to use your examples here around, you say you were a part of the sort of the genesis of revenue operations and you've been working in this industry, you help build it. Um, there becomes a time, I think, in your career where you really start thinking about how do I pass this on to the young people who are trying to figure this out? Or what are the gotchas that I can warn them about <laughs> as they step into this role or the unique challenges? But then also like out from my perspective, my knowledge, how can I actually see what's happening in the future as well? But all of that is not to sell. I mean, it's very, very different. No. You know, you, we're not saying, you know, this, we're not saying Lean Data is a, is a great software company, go buy it, or this is a unique problems that Lean Data solves. It's saying, well, um, you know, how can we help you in your career, um, that person that's coming in straight out of university? I mean, that to me is more thought leadership as opposed to the sort of sell side type content, which I think is great. And it ties back into what we were talking before about, well, yeah, Opstars is there to help provide that thought leadership and is to help really help the industry grow up to use your words, Melissa. So I think that's helpful. But now can we switch a little bit? Because I, I am very curious about the, the world of growth ops or growth operations. Now you're the president at the growth ops community there and you consult and advise with a number of different companies in this space. But we have all these sort of different it's like a big garden now of operation roles almost of like you've got mm -hmm. marketing ops, revenue ops, growth ops, sales ops, you know, you've got all these different sort of ways of thinking about operations and data and technology and marketing in the business. But how do you see this space? How do you understand the role of growth marketing in the, in the tech industry? And what have you seen so far? You've seeded it perfectly for me, no pun intended, because you use the word garden and it's so absolutely, I'm going to draw the analogy here because it's just perfect. So let's say you have a garden and you have, you plant your seeds, right? You have your sales operations, you have marketing, you have channel operations. Then you start seeding in HR operations and how that's going to affect your garden, right? Because you have to remember, like you put certain things, plants next to each other or things that you're trying to go next to each other. They sometimes don't get along and they're not good to put together in the same garden. They could be in the same box, so they probably shouldn't be too close, right? And what's interesting is what has happened with RevOps is we have certain things that are still seedlings. We have some things that are sprouts and we have some things that are full-fledged and are just thriving, right? It's a full-on tomato plant with like the most amazing heirloom tomatoes on it, right? We're not quite there yet, but we're getting close. And I think that's more on the sales op side. I think marketing's a close second to that when it comes to operations. But all of these other operations in a business that are critical to that path to success, both externally and internally in a business. So internally being, we're doing well as a company, 
the result is revenue. The result is we have happy employees, right? Then there's that extrinsic, which is we have happy customers. We have happy partners. The thing that I've seen that has changed my mindset to think about RevOps as more growth ops is that revenue is a result of growth. Revenue is the thing that happens because you focused on growing and you did that beyond just one specific niche being filled. So it's that orchestration between all of these different things. And that's well beyond revenue, right? We need to know how we're operating with our partners in sell-through models and doing partner marketing. That isn't something that falls under revenue operations typically, right? And and so I think the word revenue has been a challenge for me because I think it's it's a little selfish. It's a little bit not customer friendly. And we need to change that where we're leading with customer growth. We're leading thinking about that entire journey, big picture, visionary, versus looking at these incremental, we need to build from the ground up. We need to think about where we're going in order to work backwards and engineer it the best way possible. But I'm going to jump in and say that the one challenge is that if you do not know if your business is going to have an exit plan of we're going to sell, we're going to go public, we're going to merge, the way that you go about that is different in each of those scenarios in their own ways. And so that's a really important piece to keep in mind in approaching a model for revenue operations and growth operations. So bringing it back to center, that garden right now is filled with a bunch of seedlings and sprouts still. And we have a long way to go to get all of those things where we've got that garden going where we can actually put a salad together. We're not there yet. And what a delicious salad that might be. Um, but, <laughs> but, 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 but I, I agree. There's, there's, um, there's a lot, as you say, to grow up the industry. But I, I do think that a big part of that is community. And we touched on this, this topic a little bit earlier about finding a home for your career as an idea, as a concept. I've got a really great, now a friend, but he started out with the Namatech Weekly community and he works in marketing technology, working consulting, and he's been doing that for years. And he stumbled upon the MarTech Weekly community, which is more about sharing news and articles and resources and research into holistically the marketing technology space. And then he dived in, started chatting with people, and he's he came back to me and he said, I found my home. Oh my goodness. This is a thing I've been searching for. Just a community of people where I can bounce ideas off and find that that home where I can actually just talk about the challenges or struggles in my career. And I think that's so important here. I think that's a big part of growing as something as say nascent as growth opportunity growth ops as well um yeah so one yeah, what are one jumping in there yeah you're absolutely right in fact uh, melissa's not only great at putting together an agenda for an event like opstars but she's great at slogans and sayings and names one of the uh, one of the the slogans or mottos that we use internally which really is true and it gets to the heart of Opstars, which is without you, we're not ops, or without you, we're not opstars. And it's this idea that anybody, if we had 5,000 people attend Opstars, right, the event would not be complete if one person was not included, right? Every person who attends the event or is part of the community makes the community better. They bring fresh ideas, they bring a different perspective, they bring a different background. And by creating a place where all of the people involved in the community feel comfortable 
sharing their background, who they are, how they think and are accepted and are willing to become part of that community and help others, right? That's really powerful. And just as you said, this person found their home in Martech Weekly, that, you know, that's really powerful. And we are trying to do the same thing with Opstars. So it's it's not a model for motto's sake. We, we really believe that. And we think that people who attend the event or participate in the community as we build this, we hope that they, they, they do feel that. Yeah. And by the way, we also have invited other communities that have ties to us. And in some cases, they're doing similar things coming to Opstars, because what we see is if we can hub and spoke with other communities that are deeper in areas that we're not going to go that deep in, that's a great partnership. So the MoPros community, Adaptive Ops, Wizard of Ops, right? And then there's other ones on the peripheral too that are coming to Opstars with Sales Hacker as somebody who's talking about this space. And then we also have, did I mention Women in Revenue as well? There's all of these different communities that are going to be there in attendance. And we have a specific session around that to introduce everybody to each other so that everybody understands like, hey, if we can't answer, there's these awesome communities that are out there as well that can help you. I think that's so powerful. Right. And we see Opstars, an opportunity for Opstars is to be that place where, because we don't feel the need to compete with these other communities, right? Our gain is not somebody else's loss. And the uh, session that Melissa is referring to, I believe it's called Circle of Circle of Ops, and it's a birds of a feather session, where each of the communities will talk about who they are, what type of people are in their community, what they what services they offer, and what niche they fill. And so we see as a a role for Opstars actually to bring these communities together, again with the operations professionals' best interest in mind. Right, if you're new in career it would be great if there was a directory of communities so that they could look at each one and figure out, okay, this one is my home, or maybe it's a combination of communities. So helping them understanding the, the communities and resources that are available to them, we see as an important role that the Opstars organization can play. Yeah, that's great. And I think that, you know, community... Like I think it's in Martech land, we think about community as like a Discord or a Slack <laughs> workspace, right. you know, because yeah. that's like everyone's connecting online, they're all working online as well. But that's why I think events have this really unique layer to them. It's that the interpersonal aspect, the friendships, the meals that you have together, you know, all of that just sounds like fun, nice things to do. But when it comes to building relationships, so that's so critical. That was incredibly important to actually spend that time, say, in fellowship with uh, other people working in the industry and, and actually sitting down with a meal or, you know, having a, a robust debate or listening to a speaker and being really inspired. Like that is powerful. And then, and, you know, in the context of coming out of COVID-19, you know, a lot of these online communities, as you were saying, Melissa, earlier about, well, there's all these new communities popping up everywhere. And a lot of them emerge out of COVID. And a lot of them have either a Discord or a Slack workspace. Yes. But the view but the view here, I think, is that how, you know, now that obviously there's people coming in from all over the place to Opstars, the event. I mean, how, how do you help forge that when people can't be in the same physical space as each other? I think we're at the really early stages of building technologies for communities in that way. I think that's, I think that's something very new, very nascent. 
but incredibly yes. important. I mean, Slack Slack is great, and I've got an online community on Slack, but uh, it's it's hard to actually build proper relationships in there. That's my view anyway. But horses for courses, I guess. But well, I do. You, yep. Go ahead, Melissa. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, so I can throw kudos out to two communities that are doing really, really good stuff here beyond Slack, and that would be Marketing ops.com with Mike Rizzo and it's and he's rebranded and he's taken the community into a new realm, right? The, he's got a new way of doing that as well as the peak community, which is with Sangram who were at go to market partners. He used to be with terminus. A lot of people know him. He's a just fantastic person. So my authentically doing these things and figuring out new ways to present the communities, which is difficult. So even for us at Upstars, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in a different direction here for a moment, is that we have games this year, right? We're creating the opportunities for people to laugh together, to get to know each other, instead of sitting side by side watching something, which they can certainly do, we've offered other opportunities for them to be able to sit at tables with people and have discussions while a speaker is presenting on a topic. We have games like, we have this thing called What the Ops, and we're gonna be playing the game Never Have I Ever, Ops Edition, things like Never Have I Ever sent a quarterly business review report in and realized my numbers were wrong, you know, after they got presented. So just, you know, Little things like that, that it's it's almost therapeutic for people, but it creates that stickiness in the community where you make those memories with people and, you know, carrying that through. Those to me are really, really important things to be doing that with COVID we've not been able to do. But even just the communities in general, thinking the way that these communities are are set up is that it doesn't just have to be all serious all the time and that we need that for that personal connection. We need the personal connection for the communities to work. Yeah, it creates that bond, those bonds that are so important to relationships and that bond can carry forward, right? So that when you get back to the office, the next conversation you have with the person you just shared something with at the event uh, you'll have a closer connection with them on Slack or on, you know, whatever tool that you're using or on Discord. That's great. But what I want to talk about, perhaps, Mike, uh, switching gears a little bit, let's just talk about the event for a sec. I mean, what can we learn about Opstars leading up to the event and why are you guys giving away a Tesla? I mean, that sounds crazy to me for a B2B SaaS conference, but could you give us a bit of a snapshot, a bit of a highlight of what we can expect at Upstars in September? That's the 21st and the 22nd. Yeah, we've touched on the event and the amazing agenda that we're pulling together that Melissa is leading. That's the main focus is is that content and creating those opportunities for people to, to build those relationships and create those bonds. With the Tesla, this was actually, uh, this idea came out of a brainstorm. And this was an example of Opstars and Lean Data working together. So Lean Data has a booth and presence at Dreamforce. And we were brainstorming between the two organizations. How can we get attention, right? Even with the reduced numbers of people at Dreamforce, how can we get attention competing with all of the other things that are happening at a Dreamforce? Somebody threw out the crazy idea of, hey, let's give away Evan's Tesla, Evan being Evan Liang, <laughs> CEO of Lean Data. And everybody thought, you know, there was a pause. And then one person said, hey, I think that's a great idea. And 
it, it came to be. So no, it's, it's fun. We actually have learned though, that when you think you have a great idea, and I believe it is, right, it's getting a lot of attention, things don't always turn out as expected. We thought there would be a huge demand for seeing it to enter to win if you see a demo at Lean Data's booth at Dreamforce or at Lean Data's booth at Opstars or any of our sponsors at Opstars, you get a ticket for every demo you see. We thought demand would be tremendous, but it's been more tepid. So we think that it will catch on, but it just goes to show that even when great ideas arise, we don't always know how they're going to play out, but I think it will be fun. We're giving away the Tesla on the uh, closing session of uh, Opstars. So if you happen to be there, make sure you uh, see, get your demos, get your tickets, enter, and uh, maybe you could drive away and uh, our CEO's Tesla. <laughs> well, that sounds wonderful. Now, a quick shout out. So uh, the event is happening next month. Uh, well, in September, we have uh, a number of places you can connect with Melissa and Michael. You can go to opstars.com to learn more, leandata.com. Uh, you can also connect with Melissa and, and the community at thegrowthopscommunity.com. And then you can also find Melissa and Michael. All of this is in the show notes. But we are regularly interviewing people who are featured every week in the MarTech Weekly. We delve into topics that subscribers care about, and we really seek to understand the perspectives of people who are in the forefront of their industry, building great things like Melissa and Michael in the revenue growth and marketing operations space. So if you'd like to read and subscribe, head to themartechweekly.com. Thanks for joining me, Michael and Melissa. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure.